Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. Thanks for joining us in the Dr. Supercoach studio. If you haven't already subbed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. 16% of those listening to the podcast don't actually follow us, don't actually subscribe to us. You're not going to get notifications when the next podcast goes live, so make sure you hit that button. And I'd also like to welcome Pistol. Mate, I'd like to formally welcome you to the realm of the top 1K, mate. It's been a while of you getting here to join JB and I, but I'd just Stop like it. to... Uh, you're welcome, Pack. Uh, we'll be arriving soon in the mail, so keep an eye out for it. Oh, great. Hopefully, it's more socks. I'm uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thankfully, Chizo, it didn't take too long in the season because I, I, I wasn't handling it very well with you and uh, JB being in the top 1K and leaving me in the dust. So I was I was pretty fortunate uh, to have a... a Pretty solid 2308. I almost won the rookie lottery this week, Cheese. I only won benching decision that was poor. All the rest spot on. And uh, even with you know Ridley being out, I managed to move up into 832nd. So big week for myself, but still can't catch you or JB. Yeah, and and just like with the, um, I know you mentioned the rookie lottery, but I, I much prefer rookie roulette. Yes, uh, and and occasionally you do land on zero, so uh, not many people put their money on zero, and that's very very unfortunate. Uh, JB into one hundred and thirty ninth, uh, falling back uh, with a few injuries, and Chizo into six sixty four. So we're all kind of, I don't even really have to do a Chizo chase down this year. We're all just kind of there and thereabouts. So um, uh, joining us. Uh, in the top uh, 30, well, not, none of us are in the top 30. <laughs> Joining nine us of the in the top, top 30? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, who's wishing here? Yep. Nine of the top 26 part of Dr. Supercoach, 28 of the top 188 are in the, the Dr. Supercoach patron. 28 um, and, uh, of the top yeah. 188 are patrons. That is an incredible stat. Sorry, that's just that's a stat here. right there. That, that's, a, that's a crazy stat. Uh, we are obviously sponsored by Patreon, and that's you guys, all you lovely legends that are supporting us and helping us do what we do. Uh, if you're looking for a vibrant community full of talented super coaches, passionate about the game, consider joining up and uh, getting part of the discussion on Slack. And speaking of Patreon, uh, we've got some shout-outs here. Pistol, we've got Harop, Wongo Bongo, Mitch Parsons, Joshua, Colin Brading, Voldemort, maybe he's trying to keep his identity, you know, he who shall not be named. We've got Brittany Farisi, Nate Dog, Fatties, Sean Adams, Liam Hanna, and Thomas Fuller. Thank you all for joining. Uh, we've just broken the record for, you know, the most patrons that we've had uh, at 417, beating 416 from March. So just going from strength to strength, Pistol, and it's been super exciting getting to know everyone and uh, getting in Slack and talking to some more Supercoach, mate. So it's been great to have everyone on board. Oh, it's been phenomenal. And just a, a quick league update because it just goes from crazy to crazier. Cheezo, Dr. Supercoach now holds the top nine leagues Supercoach this what? year. We are one through nine, all of our leagues. It is absolutely <laughs> insane. I have never seen anything like this before. Uh, I'm going to uh, check. Hold on. Look, How many am I in? I, probably none if they're in the top <laughs> <laughs> top nine. <laughs> probably the ones in the teens. There's a fair few there as well. But yeah, uh, I'm, it's pretty impressive seeing the top one through nine. I mean, maybe we can get the top 10. Um, let's push, I guess. Oh, There's God, I'm actually not it. in the top number one. I'm, there's four of the top ten, and I'm not in. How do I? Can we gain entry at this point? Can I? Can I jump on the bandwagon? <laughs> so there's there's say, one called Chase Down Cheezo. I assume that's your league. That's but my I, personal I league. That's right. What are we? Sixth. I'm happy with that. 
Yeah, well, you, you, no one's chasing. Well, not many people are chasing you down. Well, everyone's chasing you down. I should say. <laughs> it's well, I've only got to, I've only got Toby ahead of me. I'm I'm three and zip in the league so far. There there might even be some prizes on board. I haven't mentioned that to those that joined in. That they just wanted to come and chase down Cheezo, I think. Um, and uh, obviously, in the last thing we'll touch on in terms of Patreon, obviously with the Thursday games kind of making way for at least the next three weeks, we're going to try and go back to, to two podcasts a week. And what we're going to do is, uh, you know, try and do a Q&A. Podcast questions uh, will be diverted towards the end of the week so it's closer to lockout so we can give some more accurate advice. Um, you know, things change during the week. We found out today that um, Danger might be missing a few weeks due to that ankle injury. So, um, we, th- we we kind of felt that our advice would be better closer to lockout. Yeah, um, I, I miss the Thursday team announcements because I really love that podcast, reading through the names every week, mostly me mispronouncing all the names of the ins and outs every week. And that was such a fun podcast, but we, you just can't, we just can't do it. Like if without Thursday night games being mentioned, it's, it's, mm. there's just no podcast there available. So I think uh, Q&A closer to the round is probably the way of the future for us, Chizo. Um but yeah, it's just a shame that we can't can't have that Thursday pod because it was <laughs> probably my favorite pod. But it is mm. what it is. I mean, we, we've got such absolute, um, you know, golden moments as JB saying Christian Salim, <laughs> totally out of nowhere and one hundred percent meaning it. Yeah, I, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh with my my uh, Zibel uh, claim to fate. Oh, <laughs> the there's so yeah. many. There is so many. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and uh, yeah. we've got some Cancer Council news. Uh, Pistol, we've now cracked $13,000 raised for the Cancer Council, which is just freaking insane. Thank you to everyone that is donating for donuts, donating for dumb things. Um, and speaking of both of those things, we do have some uh, uh, some good donations to read out, Pistol, <laughs> some funny ones. Some is an understatement. We actually raised most of that $13,000 this week. <laughs> Uh, with that many zeros in play in the community. I mean, it's amazing to think that we had most of our community have us Ridley. But based yep. on this amount of people donating, a lot of people copped a donut as well. And still, God. overall, everyone moved up in ranks. Are we, like, we going to go from nine leagues of the top nine to none? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Are let's, we all about to get donuts? Let's see what happens. We've got um, a couple couple people here to thank, so bear with us. Um, we have over here, um, st- I think uh, Stefan Letera is the first one and says, how was Dangerfield paying $26 last week to finish top 20 in the Brownlow on Sportsbet? All the best to everyone who has had to deal with cancer on top of the pandemic in the past year. Um, I'm pretty sure he can't win because he's been suspended, but... I don't know. Anyway, uh, Scott Barker says for having the C on Brockman and no emergency. <laughs> oh Oof. no! Yeah, that's a donate for dumb things right there. Throt says donate for donut. Sorry for Jordan Clark. Uh, that first name blows in general, but really blew this round. Um, Nathan O'Connor Knox says donate for dumb things. Wearing thongs to the slack catch up in the city and having to trade shoes with a homeless guy to get into the club. I should have pre-read these. Um, that is, <laughs> I'm horrified, but also no, let, let's it's hilarious. That he paid for them. I, I really should have pre-read these on the phone. I didn't expect <laughs> that. I just assumed it would be a super coach. I think that, that, that's, oh, well. a, that's the that's an offshoot of uh, uh, of the of joining the Patreon. We ended up with tight little communities in the same area, and then they meet up and go to the footy together. And they, uh, actually, people in Slack have met each other more times than you and I have met each other. Pistol. That is true. Fortunately. Mm. 
No, um, yeah. so <laughs> that's why we're still friends. <laughs> the other blackie said, "Love you, lads. Keep up the great work." Oh, thanks. The other black Clark crying face. Um, Jordan Keast Keasty says, uh, "I'm going to not swear." Jordan Clark uh, hashtag Bring Back Pistols puns. <laughs> I already got a shoe one in just before, so that's a bonus. Uh, Wooshka says, popping my Donate for Donuts cherry. Thanks to Chris Scott. Decided to donate one point per point. One dollar per point, I should say. Jordan Clark is average this season, which would have put me Whoa. at over 2300 this week. Thanks, Chris. Disclaimer, I'm a pre- <laughs> I've been a previous regular for donating for dumb things, so this is a nice change. <laughs> Thank you for the very generous donation there, Wooshka. I really appreciate it. Uh, Benny Buzzboy says, at Geelong, there's a young player named Clark who Brad... Scott didn't put on the park, and despite being sub, they gave Danger a rub, and Benny was left screaming. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I really should have reread these. I've Benny, been, I've gotten, I've been got. Um, I, I picked up it was a rhyme as we were going. I just then regretted yeah. it. <laughs> um, Alistair Danuk says Chris Scott is mean, and I tend to agree with him. Seeker says Chris friggin Scott. I'm one of the many that caught caught with the Scott's decision to drop sub Clark, get a haircut, Scott. <laughs> John, I don't know how I found that so funny. John Ethlick says uh, for double donut this week, Mummy taking Flynn's spot, then had bloody Chris Scott not playing Clark. That's a big one. Thank you for the generous mm. donation. AG just Jordan Clark donut. I get you. The super coach gods donated and just said, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I don't know who did that, though, but it's really funny. Um, uh, Chani Sherd Jill, uh, Jordan would flourish at Punt Road. You, most mm-hmm. people would flourish at Punt Road because they're such a good yep. side, but thank you very much for the donation. Baloo donates for donuts, not seeing my guy who's had five full preseasons needing managed managing after three games, so Flynn it sounds like, and the break glass in case of emergency guy, Mumford I assume, averaging sixth most points overall and holding out my guy. This Flynn owners at R2 are definitely suffering. We're nearly there, only six more. Um... Butler, donate for dumb things, miss lockout, and my jelly to Clary trade got away with murder thanks to Jelly's late goal, but still have to pay up. I honestly cannot believe how the Jelly owners keep getting out of these with the, the, the goals. Mm. Uh, TP says, donating for Clark Donut, pulled my trades too early. P.S. Pistol, I love you, your favorite meme lord, TP. That was pretty funny without expecting that. Um, Webdog, donation for the Jordan Clark Donut. It's, it's very true. Um, Maz says donating for the Clark Donut, which is brand new. No one said that before, so um, which <laughs> topped off around from hell. It is what it is. It is what it is. Need a few more gin and tonics to ease the pain. Um, WLFFC, Ruben, Geordie Clark, just Geordie Clark. I appreciate it. I assume Donut Geordie Clark. Um, and Finn Parker says Shane Mumford hitting my super coach harder than he laid out Mitch Duncan. Bring back Flynn. Everyone, thank you so much for all of the donations. It was a massive round for the Cancer Council. We truly raised a lot of money this round. So thank you, Chris Scott. Thank you, Jordan Clark, in particular, for the amount of money being able to raise. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again. But if it does, I'm not going to be too upset if we've been able to raise this much money for the Cancer <laughs> Council. Yeah, fantastic. And one last thing before we promise we get into some Supercoach content. We've got a funny story, Pistol. I'm going to throw it over to you. One of the, not donate for dumb things, but almost donate for dumb luck in terms of captaincy. Oh, my gosh. This was one of the highlights of my weekend. Um, Rob from our Slack commented just after the Hawthorne game had started, 
<laughs> and he was saying, uh, just sorry, right after we found out that Clark was going to be the sub, and he says, Rob says, I was using Clark as a loophole. See, does that mean I get his score? And I responded saying, yeah, you will if he comes on. And Rob's like, oh, crap. I'm like, do you have anyone else? He goes, no, everyone else is locked out or playing. And I, and I said, you know, damn. He said, I can only change to Stuart, I guess. At least I might score a little bit more. And I said, yeah, you should definitely <laughs> do that. And then he said, I took it off Gorn to try and get the McRae score. That's what I get for being greedy. Fast forward two hours and... Tom Stewart outscores McRae, scores a career high in points, and Rob made points. That's just the best story. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> I do love hearing those ones. Um, Pistol. Yes. Let's switch on here. I think we have Let's to. Let's talk about some Supercoach. Finally. We've got some big things to talk about. Huge. I'm going to talk about someone straight off the bat that we haven't you know, spent basically any time on this year. Hype. And that's Lockie Neal. Oh. Is he back? Talk to me. Is he back? I mean, <laughs> no, no pun intended. Um, oh, wait. I should have left that for you, Pistols Puns. Yeah. We've just been asked about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, look, I think the conditions of Lockie for that game just suited Lockie Neal to a T. I knew he would cut up Essendon. I think most people thought yeah. that was a good chance to get a big score. Um, I, I, I was definitely in the camp of Brisbane putting on a clinic, uh, which they did, so many high scores. It's one of the reasons I was so attracted to Zorko last week. So I wanted to try and capitalize on the big score. Neil did it. Neil looked good. But they still said he's like suffering with pain. And, you know, he's coming up against Carlton this week. And you just, I'm going to put an assumption out there that he's going to cop an Ed Kerno tag. Mm. He still has a break even that's quite high. Um, I, I don't think that this is the week where you have to jump on him. I think we've got basically a free chance to have another look at Neil, where hopefully he's playing in different conditions, uh, for starters, so we can get a real judge. And, you know, maybe he gets tagged. I mean, he's got a break even of 98. He'll probably go up a little bit, but not that much. He's at 580k. I am going to personally have a backup plan if Casey is... If, if he gets tagged and puts out, you know, like a 120... Um, I'm going to make sure I've got cash in the bank after this week. I might do a double downgrade just so that I can get him next week if he is well and truly back. But it's not a trade that I would be making this week uh, personally. How how do you feel about this one, Chizo? Well, I can see why people are jumping on. We've been looking for any sign whatsoever that he's turned the corner, he's feeling good. We heard that he got through his first training um, for the year. You know how much improvement can you get from one week's you know worth of training is going to be arguable. The conditions totally suited someone that loves the contested footy and just you know poor disposal across the entire ground, meaning that you know even if in those situations he's still suffering from poor disposal, he's not being swamped by everyone else performing well like he would be under the roof at Docklands, for example. So um, I think it suited him down to a T. I think it's also important to remember, as you say, Ed Kerno tagged Travis Boak last week. It wasn't massively tight tag, um, but I think the damage that you can get from the current Brownlow medalist versus Travis Boak is probably slightly higher. Yeah. You know, in his prime, and also the fact that you know he he's still building his tank. Uh, and you know he, he's only had one decent game so far this year. I think it's more likely that Ed Kerno will be able to put a tighter tag on him than he was able to do with Travis Boak. And we know his history of tagging, so you know he's not new to this caper. So um, 
I, I think it, it, what you say is a free hit. I think it's a really, really good example. If he scores 150 this week, what's he go up? Like maybe 30K tops? Less. I haven't done the math. Yeah, less, less than, than that. that. So, so worst case scenario, you're going to miss out on some points, but hey, you're going to get that verification. Yeah, okay, he's turned a corner. He's looking good. He's passing the eye test. He's getting 30-plus disposals again. He's tackling, seeing all the things we want to see. But you get to see that in back-to-back weeks. As opposed to, was it an aberration? He's had one out of five games where he's actually performed to the standard that we have come to expect from him. And so I think it's a, it's safer to wait that week. Um, but I, I suppose, let me throw this to you. This is probably the first week that a lot of people are looking to, quote-unquote, upgrade. Yep. Um, is he someone that you would be looking to upgrade if you've got the cash there and you can get him? Is there any reason... If you're specifically looking to upgrade someone and he just happens to be sitting in your price range, is that totally understandable or are you still looking to wait a week? I w- I'd still be looking to wait a week, but I'm saying that as somebody who you know owns Walsh and, and owns Oliver already, who's at 591. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm going to assume people who are looking at this price bracket, they can't afford steel. He's a lot more expensive. And, you already own Oliver and Walsh. I'd be getting Oliver and Walsh above Neil this week if I had to choose between them. But outside of that, there's not many other mids that are screaming pick me, you know, that are sub 580k. There's basically none of them except for Walsh. So mm. if you had to do an upgrade this week, I don't really know why you would. Then I would look at Neil. Maybe you were, maybe you saved up money, whatever it might be. It's just not my first choice. I, I definitely would feel more comfortable getting another look at it, kind of setting up my team potentially for a double upgrade next week, given maybe the lack of rookies. Um, obviously, Finlay McRae, who we'll talk about a bit later, will be available, but you could potentially go early on him. I think, worst case scenario, he'll be in and out the Collingwood side as a worst case scenario, could just play the rest of the season. Um and he has that DPP, which is really handy. So it feels like kind of a, a safer, you know, downgrade option that we have. Um, and I think this week as well, in terms of like timing of games, we can kind of see all the rookies and when they play this week, it just kind of all works out for us this round where all the rookies mostly play on Sunday, uh, which is carnage for Supercoach, but it just makes us, allows us to make some better decisions. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd kind of be prepping myself um, for a big couple of weeks rather than making a jump a little early to try and jump on the, you know, get ahead of the curve because, you know, if you if you invest this money and you're wrong, it's devastating. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is and, making good upgrades and you're making a bad one. And and obviously the counter to this is 19 kicks, 19 handballs, four marks, uh, sorry, seven marks, four tackles, two goals, 17 contested possessions, eight clearances. 82% time on ground, 157 super coach points. And so you, we can see those stats and say he's back. But if you're in the position where you have the money sitting there, you don't have Lockie Neal, I can totally understand the allure to be going to get him. And I I think you're in the same boat as I am, Pistol, is that we're just waiting for affirmation that he has turned the corner and then we're grabbing him. We're, in no way are we saying you should not be pick bringing um, Lockie Neal into your side this year. So if this is your chance to get him, if this is your chance to get him, guess what? You've missed the opening four rounds where he was struggling and he's most likely going to be good for the rest of the year. You know, so I can totally understand that. On the opposite side, 
I wouldn't necessarily be trading rookies out early if you hadn't intended just to try and chase him thinking this is the cheapest you'll ever get him because next week he's not going to be above 600k 80% yeah. chance that that's happening so yeah. um I think there's absolutely the, the 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 way to swing it both ways and it it is totally team dependent so uh, the 4.1% of all trades are being bring in Lockie Neal, 2,000 coaches. Um, certainly interesting, and I hope you've done your due diligence in that respect. Um, the 2.6% of trade outs this week are Jordan Ridley pistol. Is there something that we don't know about? Is this? <laughs> I, I, I was very much under the understanding that this was just a concussion, just a one-week thing. This has to be related to donuts. It cannot be related to people going, ah, oh, he's injured, we better get rid of him. I mean, it, I've, I laughed because it just is to me hilarious that people are trading out Ridley whose his floor is so good that even in a game where he played barely any minutes he still scored 31 points like he just wasn't on the field and he's like you know what I'm still gonna just keep keep ticking upwards obviously the game was close at the beginning I know that but he he's just such a good scorer that he I, 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 even you know now he he's not got a massively high break even like 190 is is huge obviously but when you consider he's probably going to put out a 120 plus upon his return you know he's going to miss the Collingwood game but he plays Carlton in round seven I'd be expecting a a pretty good score in that matchup it doesn't really fall that much Chizo like what 60k Mm. across two weeks what people are trading him out to save 60k this doesn't make sense to me I mean even if you're getting a donut like there's rookies that are playing. You can kind of structure your team. You can free up some cash. There's got to be better moves than trading out Jordan Ridley, surely. It, it purely has to be because there's so much carnage in the back line. If you're trading out Jordan Ridley and you have even Cozzy covering it this week, that's a better option than burning two trades, one to get him out and one to get him back in a fortnight when you've, he's dropped 60K. It's crazy uh, to me. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't recommend it unless... There's something he, something unreported that you have inside info that we don't have, that he's going to miss a month. <laughs> I, I could get behind it, but not not for a week, not for concussion, not, uh, not for something that he should be right to go in a, no. you know two weeks time. And he looks he looked pretty fine enough for the match anyway, so I'd expect him to come, you know, straight back in. I, I just would be, yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't put in you know, back-to-back 120s when he came back and Mm. just only fell, you know, even 50K and he's still relatively expensive and hard to get. Um, So I I think you're in a... If you have him, you're still in a good position. I know it's going to hurt this week, but, you know, other people have to now base their trades around trying to get him in at his lowest point and owners that already have him can, you know, target other people instead that might be at their lowest point and, you know, it might not... You know, it might work out. I know it's not going to be a... You know, positive overall, but it's it might not be as bad as you know some people are expecting, and it's certainly not worth a trade out. Yeah, it's just the value of a trade. I think is too high in this scenario. Uh, we might as well talk about the Texan. He's got a break even at ninety five. He's had his first kind of mediocre game for the year. Pistol. We mentioned that with Tex, um, you're looking to ride the train until it got to the station and then hop off before it starts descending downhill. Are we at that situation in in your mind? 
I think we're pretty close. We've we've got two good fixtures here, Hawthorne and then GWS. Then it's a definite trade-out in my opinion um, because before the fixtures get a little bit tougher. But even so, last week he got at Corky. He was a bit... He came into the game with some injury doubt, um, pulled up a bit sore, and then he got the corky, and then he couldn't run anymore. And it's just the things are starting to add up, and you, mm. you want to make sure you jump at the right time. He's got a break-even of 95. This week against Hawthorne, it's such a good matchup, although it is in Tassie. But it, it, this is one where I probably would give it, if he's, if he's fit and he's playing, or at least playing, I'd give it one last roll of the dice. But this is—I'm right near the end of this. This is where I'm about to jump off at the peak. This is yeah. a definite trade out for me within the next fortnight. This is not yeah. a season-long hold on, on Tex, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Tex has never turned up against the Hawks in 12 games. Um, in it's—it's it, it's strange. He got his highest score in round one. And then every subsequent score has slowly trailed off. He's he, he's never bounced back up the following week to have a higher score than the one previous. So trending down is what you would say. I, I guess the thing is, if he goes 112 with his projected score against Hawthorne, he'll still make another 7K. And then if he scores 126, which is projected score against GWS, he makes 14K. So in the next you know, two to three weeks, if he's averaging 120... He makes you 30K. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we'd be holding on for the points at this stage. Um, but I think that the the cash generation has kind of come to a halt. And with a break even of 95, if he goes anything sub-ton and he goes 85-95, the, the following week against GWS, it's going to be you know the time to jump the off anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be bells ringing. I mean, if I, if you could tell me though, that I was able to trade, let's say, if, I'm sure it happened. It didn't happen to me, unfortunately. If I could trade Paddy Dow to Taylor Walker and then Taylor Walker to Lockie Neal, mm. my, my brain might explode. Yep. <laughs> like, this is the realistic pathway to Lockie Neal next week. It's yep. just a, a, a 100K, Taylor Walker, yeah. 100K to Lockie Neal. Yep. What in the world? Like, that's just a enormous win. So, um yeah, for people that have him, you're close to jumping off or you're going to need to potentially if he doesn't pull up well this week, you might need to even jump off right now. So yeah. you've got to be prepared for that situation as well. I, I tell you what, it's, it's a really difficult decision to make. It's really easy to sit here in an armchair not owning Taylor Walker and say, hey, next week you need to trade out the guy that's averaging 120 in your forward line. I realize <laughs> that that's really, really difficult to hear. But the thing is, with these types of players, if you don't think... If you don't think in your heart of heart that they're going to be a top six you know, forward and there's a bunch of guys that are going to go above 100, is he going to average 100 for the entirety of a year? We've you know, basically never seen that from him in his career before. You know that you have to jump off at some point. You know? And the worst thing you can do is watch your competitors, particularly if you're highly ranked, jump off, cash him in, get Lockie Neal in, and you're holding him that two, three-week period going, come on, he's going to bounce back, he's going to go bounce, oh, okay, he's, he's definitely dropping off, I need to get rid of him. You've not only lost a little bit of cash, but you've missed out on points by not upgrading him. Yep. This, is the, this is the reason in my opinion, some people might have a different opinion to me, but my opinion was, we're getting Taylor Walker for a cash grab, once the tide turns, we need to dis- disembark the train. And, and I think that in the next week to two weeks, we're going to find out whether, you know, he might, he might bounce back and go 120, 120, and then, Cash generation is just going to start again. 
You know, you can you can you wait an extra week. Still need to jump, even if you wait that extra week. You, you're copping a poor score probably against yeah. Port Adelaide. With you their, want to jump you know, before the defense. poor score. Yeah, because at some point you you got to weigh up the points and the money and like the combination yeah. of it. And we're we're right, yeah, at the pinnacle now. I think um, I definitely would be planning a you know bailout get out strategy. That there's there's plenty of options available. Obviously, is four hundred and ninety k. So. You've got plenty of options, but I would certainly be looking at them now, seriously getting ready to, to jump. Yeah. Next week or so, keep a real, like, just have a trade ready. That's just, just, just all we're saying. Um, obviously, Houston went down with an injury. Uh, I haven't heard from JB since he actually got subbed, so I hope JB is doing okay. Um, <laughs> we're hearing that it's not as bad yeah. as what it, um, you know, originally thought when it was subbed, and he could potentially um, even get up for this week. So keep an eye on that. And obviously, we mentioned before is that danger is just being reported this evening on the twentieth that um, his. Injury to his ankle that he had some work on looking laboured um, during the game on the weekend is actually worse than first thought, and he might miss one, two weeks with that. And for those that held him through that suspension only to come back for a poor score and an injury, that's got to be really, really difficult to stomach. But um, I guess that leads to the question, if he's out for another two weeks, Pistol, is it? and you've held him this time, are you pulling the pin? Jeez, there's some concerns, aren't there? Like he wasn't. I know he was getting a lot of the ball, but he was he was really butchering it, not scoring super well. You're gonna get three <sighs> games out of him by round what round nine? Yeah, that's it's a bit tough, isn't it? I think uh, if I'm if I'm going for overall, I, I'm probably just calling it a day and trying to to I don't know. People are now feel like they're pot committed, like one of the fallacies, you know, because they're yep. already so invested in him. We're like oh, I've held him this long. How can I I've trade got to him keep now? holding. Got to keep holding. Not, not, not the case. I think it's still just a reset of like if it's two weeks, you're probably holding. If it's three weeks, you're probably trading. And this time, you just do that again. I mean, it's it's unfortunate how it's gone and you've already held. But the problem is, as you said last week, which I really liked, basically, if you've made a bad decision, you know, the next worst thing you can do is make another bad decision. Yeah. So, Compounding. Yeah, you, you don't want to necessarily double down on it that's that's not a, a good way to play um so we'll have to wait and see exactly how long the time frame is but it, geez geez it's felt like there's been a lot of ankle injuries this season yeah a lot of people getting them trapped under um under tackles and things like that it's just been very very disappointing hey mate i, I want to jump into the next topic which is you know a bit of rookie talk and specifically i want to start with the sydney rookies for two reasons um, it looks like that a couple of them may potentially get a rest in the next fortnight. Um, you can you know discuss who you think that that might be uh, in your own time. But the can I discuss it? <laughs> I mean, I mean you can. Like it's throwing darts at a dartboard. I, th- I think you could have an educated guess on who it might be. But um, you know, like uh, Chad Warner is part of the midfield rotation. So is he doing more kilometers than someone like Braden Campbell? Braden Campbell is a first year player. So does he need to rest because he's you know. First exposure to AFL. Um, I, I think we'll know more as the teams come out. I think you could easily have a guess who you, th- you think they might be, but uh, I'll leave that up to you. The, the the thing that I want to talk about is that people are saying, "Oh, they're all they're all topped out. This is their highest price. Um, I want to do an upgrade this week. Let's cull them." And I think Jordan um, James Jordan is a really really good example about you know it just takes you know one week of a, 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 a semi decent score. 
to reset that price generation and then rather than culling someone at 200k you can cull them for 300k in this case you might get the likes of chad warner holding for another couple of weeks he's still got that cba um, kind of role with sydney that's a really good role to have as a rookie. It's a great role. I don't really want to be culling him for a Finlay McRae on field, as good as he may well be. I definitely you know, like the stronger, more advanced, developed body of Chad Warner with a great role compared to a rookie that's going to be getting 60% time on ground playing on my field. Yeah, cheese. I want to do that exact trade. <laughs> Not this week, but that is, that's something that I'll be eyeing up to do next week. Um, I think... Warner has been, as you said, in that you know midfield rotation, but they've had some midfielders out. Like Robottom, I think, now that he's played in the uh, VFL, um, he's going to come back into the team, I would imagine, just because he's a little bit of a game changer. And I think that had, when they played together, you know, a direct impact on Warner's CBAs. So in my mind, it could be as simple as you know, Robottom comes in, Warner's role then becomes significantly worse. Fortunately, he's only got a break-even of 53. And against Gold Coast this round, I think with or without Robottom, he's probably going to score 53. So he's not really going to lose you know, any money, but if he puts in another score in the 50s, back-to-back 50s, at 330k, I think he's done his job, you know, making 200k as a rookie, and I'd be happy to cull him next week as, you know, my first proper, you know, downgrade and an upgrade somewhere else. Um, so he's somebody that not only do I think is a good, you know, option to trade out, I think there's very real potential that next week even... If that's the case, he could just get a rest because I, I reckon across the next three weeks they spoke about it. I think they'll just rest, you know, one rookie a week across the next mm. three weeks or so. Um, I mean, if you have to guess the worst performing one, obviously is Braden Campbell, um, who's been struggling a bit last couple of weeks, and his minute time on ground's been, you know, slowly reducing um, and looks just a bit tired basically. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him cop a rest and one of the week after, and maybe Gordon the week after that. So um, that's kind of how I'm thinking uh, moving forward. And that's also kind of, it's an interesting discussion about, you know, Campbell and, you know, when's the time to cull him. Um, Last week, we were very strong on holding him. And even though it seems like potentially he, you know, could get a rest this week, I feel like the right play is still to hold him with that round 14 buy and that DPP, that scoring potential that is there, even though he hasn't been putting it together. I just don't really want to cash him out at this price. I definitely feel like the longer I can hold him and try and get that you know, kickstart of cash generation, whether or not that means I'm now looping him and not playing him right on the field in the future is you know another conversation we can have. But he's someone that I'm not really desperate to get out of my side I think I'm going to work around him use that DPP to flick between the forward and midfield line and just trade out other rookies who I believe you know might have peaked in the cash generation or are closer to peak rather than you know culling somebody a little bit early in my opinion yeah I think that's a a really good point to make I think the thing that I was I was trying to exemplify with someone like a Chad Warner is that he does have a decent role he's got an extra preseason under his belt if he averages 80 between now and his buy, he's going to be coming into the buy in round 14. The perfect type of player yep. to be trading out as his buy is the last buy round to someone coming off the round 13 buy. And if he averages just 80, which I say just 80, it's you know it's what he's performing at right now, 
he still makes another eighty thousand dollars between now and the the week that you're planning on trading him out. So yeah, um, just because you know the we call it the shoulder of the curve, just because that pricing graph is starting to taper off doesn't mean there's not still growth to be there and there's absolutely the opportunity to trade someone out like a James Jordan last week that's going to reset their break even and suddenly you've missed out on not only those points on field but also um, that extra 100k which you know with the premium uh, sorry with the 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 rookies that we're bringing in during the year they're usually the less developed rookies that make even less cash than the ones that start the season that the, the coaches have more confidence in. And so my kind of point of view is I, I want to kind of wring these rookies dry to start the year, making it less likely I'm reliant on downgrading to the likes of, um, you know, an Alec Waterman um, or a Finlay McRae and say, please, can you make me a 200K because my first rookie that I got you from didn't make as much as I thought. Does yeah, that sort of I- like translate? Yeah, and and not just that. I'm I'm very you know acutely aware that we've used more trades than we probably have felt comfortable with in mm. seasons past already to do a combination of suspension and injuries and poor performing players. Um, and in my case, I just did not want to have Josh Kelly anymore. Um, so I don't want to make mistakes with rookies and. I mean, obviously, holding on to them too long is can also be a mistake. Yeah. Um, I just want to be really sure of my trades, when my timing of my trades, when I want to get rid of somebody. So that for me is, I'm you know, I'm, I'm holding that James Jordan and I'm holding that Campbell and I'm trying to not go early. Even Cozzy was a good one, um, you know, to hold that 62. Hopefully, he doesn't get dropped. You know, with thing coming Mitch Lewis and they drop Connor Nash instead and. If he's able to play against Adelaide, that's a good matchup in Tassie as well. Mm. If he can put back-to-back 60s, you know, I'm going to end up making 100K out of Cozzy, which, you know, compared to people that traded him out at 141K last week, you know, that that becomes quite a significant little victory. Um, yeah. So it's it's just something, depending on, particularly depending on how many trades you've used so far. Yes. You just have to be very careful when you're culling these rookies that have really good roles and rookies that have really good scoring potential. Um, yeah, such as the Golden in particular is somebody that I see people trying to cull this week. Yes. And I, this, I this can't is why I'm fathom it. Question. I, I can't, I cannot endorse trading out Golden. I know that he's put out. Um, you know, three scores in a row below, below 74, 74, 68, and 66. But he's a really good player, and he will sc- he scored 139, 136 in the first two. He has another 100 score in him. Yeah, He's really good, and you just have to watch the game to see. It might even be this week. I wouldn't be surprised even if Warner comes out with 110 this week, and then I'm sitting here like, oh, I guess I'm not trading him out yeah. um, for the next couple of weeks. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all um, Yeah, if Golden... Yeah, I think Goulden has another big score in him. I'm not selling Goulden at 315k. I think that's unders. I truly believe that is under his value. Mm. Uh, I I am planning only on selling him if I can, you know, for 350 to 400,000 because I think that's what he's going to be averaging, you know. Yeah. He's going to be averaging high enough to get there. So I I understand wanting to go early to beat the curve and have more up, you know, have um, an upgrade quicker than other people, but it really depends on who you're getting 
there's not many players I would be sacrificing. Like, I mean, people will be going Gordon to Neil next week. I imagine that will be a very common trade. And I, you know, we'll have to see how Neil performs and how Gordon performs. But just straight off the bat, that's not a trade that I would feel like endorsing. Um, uh, he, especially with the round 14 buy, I think it's also a, a much longer term hold. Um, so yeah, let's let's see how we go about that, and you know, let's see how Tom Campbell goes, for example, as well, because he's um, that that 101 comes out of his rolling average, and there's also Chapman, who if he puts in another 50, his break even suddenly spikes. There's, there's a whole bunch of other rookies <laughs> that I'd consider ditching before Gordon. Sorry, I feel like I've gone a, a long rant, Chizo. No, no, that's good. The reason being is because we get 100 questions a day and messages and things like that saying. Uh, Gordon, Gordon, Campbell, Warner trading. I had people trading MP this week. And the thing is, it's because by trading these players, it allows them to afford to the people that they want to get. The problem is we're probably one week. It's usually the end of round six that upgrade season really starts in earnest yeah. when we've given them enough time to appreciate. There's a reason I don't have messages saying, "Do you know, Sam Berry out or Scott out or Brockman out or Harry Jones out. It's because they haven't had enough time to appreciate when in reality, these are the guys we want out of our side Correct, and Gordon yeah. to stay. You know, you've traded out Gordon to a rookie that you now have to play on field. You've lost that scoring power on your field for, a, a, you know, 100K that he's probably going to make at a later date for the, the, the price of getting these premiums in, you know, a week early. And let me just clarify, a lot of these quote-unquote upgrades are people that have money lying around, people that, you know, they... Um, had an injury early on, and so they went to another premium that started really well. That was a hundred grand cheaper. Let's say they they went, um, you know, Neil to Walsh or something like that. Suddenly you've got like a hundred, hundred and fifty k lying around. You haven't. That's not profit. You know, that's money you already had to start the season with. And so this quote unquote upgrade is only really coming from like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars of actual downgrade, you know, trades that you've made. And so I, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, yes, it might get an extra premium on sealed, but all, all you've really done is just readjust the money that you got, you know, to start the year with because our rookies just haven't got to that stage of appreciating genuine cash that when you got Alec Waterman after round two, you know, people had actually made money that you could utilize. I think that's just really important to exemplify that it's not necessarily an upgrade. It's just reshuffling a money you may have already had. Yeah, I mean, if you're going from like 12 premiums to 13 premiums, you're obviously upgrading your side. But if you you had 12 and you went down to 11 and now you have 300K in the bank and you're going back up to 12, mm. I mean, you might be improving your side because you have better premiums, but you're certainly not getting ahead of the pack in terms of, you know, upgrade season. Um, geez, I, I know I, I, we've still got quite a bit to talk about in terms of upgrades and downgrades, but while we're talking about upgrade season, I thought I'd just throw in some... Sure. general super coach strategy um, into the mix. So this week, obviously, a lot of people are going to free up some money because of, you know, Lockie Jones or whoever, whichever rookie you're downgrading to, and it's it's going to free up money in the bank. Um, I think something that I wanted to quickly touch on is actually about the upgrade season. If I have 12 premium players and I upgrade, let's say I do a, an upgrade and I bring in someone that's quite cheap like Andrew Brayshaw, Right now, I've got thirteen premiums. You cheese only have twelve premiums this week, but then next week, I now have no money in the bank. I can't afford to get a premium. I'm obviously doing a downgrade and trying to free up money. You are also able to do a downgrade and an upgrade 
on top of your you know downgrades this week and you're able to bring in Lockie Neal. Now I'm in a situation where we both have 13 premiums. So I haven't really gained much on you at all. I've gained some money in the bank, but you've got Lockie Neal on the field over my Andy Brayshaw. Yeah. Now that's something to think about because if you are if you are in a position where you do already have a lot of money in the bank, you could potentially get somebody that is, you know, like a Zorko or or whatever, um, a Dusty who's a little bit cheaper um, from his last cu- couple of games. If you bring them in and you have 13 premiums, the next week, if you still have money in the bank to be able to get a 14 premiums and then 15 premiums and 16, the longer that you can be one premium ahead, that's more points on the rest of the competition that you'll be ahead. Yep. So the aim there is to be able to be a, a keeper ahead of the pack because then your team will be scoring more money. And that's kind of the situation that you want to be in now. But you just have to be aware that jumping too early on a fallen premium, such as this week, by trading out like a Warner or a Goulden, and then not allowing yourself to be able to have an extra premium next week, doesn't actually put you ahead of the game. It makes you have one better week, but then you're, you're back level and it's a level playing field. So that doesn't mean necessarily you should jump on every cheap premium. It just means you need to make sure you're choosing the right cheap premium and you're choosing the right time to pay up for the more expensive premiums as well. Um, yeah, I just want to kind of get that strategy little piece out there, Chizo. <laughs> mm. I, I really, really love the in-depth discussions that we we do um, when we have these types of cons- uh, you know conversations. It's not like X player get him in, X player like Y get him out. I, I, I love the fact that we do these deep dives into the strategy and just go that next layer deep to say, hey, guess what? There's tier one premiums, there's tier two premiums, there's tier three premiums. If you fill your side with tier three premiums. And you're only and where we have the same amount of keepers. My tier ones are going to smash you every single day. I would love to have Lockie Neal as opposed to you know an Adam Chera that's going to bottom out and probably average like ninety five to hundred. You know, there's the just getting saying you've got thirteen doesn't necessarily mean you've up you know made your side any better in the long term. So I think that it's really, um, really really important to have these types of discussions rather than just hand out generic advice. So um, thanks for taking us through that, Pistol. Um, now that I've said all that. Really, really generic advice. Talk to me about Jordan Clark. He's uh, one of the most popular <laughs> trade-outs. 12.5% of teams are getting rid of him. If he's back this week, uh, are you trading him? I mean, I, if he's not back this week, I, I think it's the advocation would be to you know, get rid of him. Uh, but he does have that handy DPP. He's still got a decent break-even. Uh, that rest might have done him some good. If he's back this week, what are your thoughts? I don't think he's a must-trade. Um, mm. by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. especially if he's back. You know, Dangerfield is obviously going to be out, so you'd expect there to be a slot open. Clark was a sub, so you know he's close to breaking the side. I guess the issue I have with him is that his role has not been great this Defined. season. It's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, he's been thrown all over the shop, but particularly he's landed in you know the half-forward type area for an uncomfortable amount of time for Supercoach. If he's only putting out 60s, and some of those 60s are because of very late goals in the game, that's worrying. That That's not good for Supercoach. I guess a, a benefit is that because he's been so consistent so far, you know, his break-even is still really low at 36, so he can still make money. Um, I just think that 
look, you've got to consider a couple of facts. One, you know, if he's out, you're kind of probably going to trade him. I imagine the Lockie Jones, hopefully Ken Hinckley comes out early and just says the team news and we kind of know he's playing and you can feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. If he is names, I don't mind if you were to trade somebody, let's say Sam Berry, who has slowed down recently because he's got a break even of 43. I feel like you could trade out one like Barry to Lockie Jones you could put Clark into the midfield and then next week you could do Clark to McRae and kind of get a little bit more and get another read on Jordan Clark I think there's you know some combinations people might they kind of might just see oh if I downgrade Clark to Jones you know I'm, I'm cashing out 160k but the fact of the matter is if you just do them in a different order at the end you know you're you're downgrading Clark to McRae next week and then you're cashing out you know your 170k Whatever, it doesn't really matter the order you do it if you're not upgrading this round and it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, continue. And I guess the, the thing that I would say is when you're trading him out for a rookie on field, which would be Lockie Jones this week, I mean, the thing is if you, you know, you're trading Clark out, you're still fielding Berry, but you're now fielding Berry and Jones. At least with Clark, he's a pretty safe 65 to 70 as a more mature body. Don't jinx it. <laughs> I'm trying not to jinx it, but the, the, the thing is, we haven't seen the 20s that the likes of, you know, Barry, Brockman, Scott, and Jordan yeah. even. Powell's had some bad ones, you know. Um, yep, Rose there, sure. Campbell, uh, name any rookie, and they've probably had one score in the 20s this year or the 30s. I think with Jordan Clark, it gives you a little bit more confidence that using his DPP, you know, you're able to kind of cover some of those gaps, and it might make you 30 or 40 points for the next you know, a couple of weeks. And, you know, that that matters because you don't have to use that trade. And so I'm with you on the fact that he's definitely not a trade, uh, you know, a guaranteed trade out. But if you uh, have, you know, everything else buttoned up and you don't have any huge problems, um, you you don't really, you're not really in risk of a donut. I, I could totally see, you know, this week going to Lockie Jones if he's named and something like that. That's totally fine. But it, a lot of people are going, oh, in and out of the side, got to get rid of him. Um, could have just been a rest, you know. The, the, there's, the, who knows what the, uh, uh, yeah. the bearded Scott is thinking from time to time, Pistol. So um, I, I, th- I think that's really handy just to talk about. Um, yeah, I think the, the problem, though, is that people, like if Ridley's out, you kind of want to play him in the back line. Mm. You don't really want to play him, you know, in the midfield where we have Golden and Powell and Jordan who have scored well. So there's there's a kind of that appeal that like oh if he's playing you just play him in the back line but the thing is at the end of the day you don't really want to miss out on Lockie Jones if he's named yes. so you need to figure out a way and that might be you know Barry out and lead in the midfield you know if you want to see if Jordan Clark gets locked in and you want to wait a bit later in the round because mm. you know lead plays on Sunday and Barry plays on Sunday and Lockie Jones plays on Sunday and you can kind of work it out that way mm. um, I just think that's something to consider and, and to be honest even if Clark is named I am still considering trading out to oh, Lockie Jones yeah I totally you know, agree that, that's just uh, a trade that I think people will still consider and it just really depends on your, your depth and your cover I mean if you're holding um, Cozzy and Highmore <laughs> It's it's one of those tough situations where they both could be named or neither of them could be named, and then you're in trouble because <laughs> yep. you, you need one of them to be named, you know, for Ridley and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's tough because I don't I don't particularly want to trade Kazi or Highmore out to Lockie Jones. That's not a that feels like a bit of a waste of a trade, yeah, um, in my eyes. But so yeah, I, I'd be looking at other options if I can, and I'm quietly confident 
that Cozzy gets named again just because I thought he was really solid last week. Um, sorry, I've derailed your your rookie <laughs> that, conversation completely. I, I love it when you just you, you just take take the reins and just go for it. Uh, you did mention Highmore, so we should just uh, touch on him a little bit. Um, Webster obviously going down for the Saints sucks uh, for his injury history, and you hope he gets a clear run at it. But maybe that opens the door for Highmore, who also absolutely smashed it at VFL level. Uh, if you're ter- you know talking about um, rookie options that you want to see. He did absolutely everything in the the VFL, everything that the coaches could have asked him for, intercept possessions, um, and I, I think he had ninety five super coach points. Um, correct yep. me if I'm wrong. That's there, champion Pitchell, does so. said. Yeah. yeah, so he's obviously had a really really good game. It's totally totally um, the option that he comes back. And the thing is, I find it so hard that the role that he has when he plays in the St Kilda side, he even takes kickouts and things like that, knowing that he's probably going to average seventy. And his bargain bracement, I just find it so hard to have someone on the bubble that's I really genuinely think is going to get more games this year to 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 give him the flick. I just find that I find that slightly. Uh, it, it just it gives me a little bit of an upset stomach. I've got to say, pistol trading someone <laughs> like that to a Lockie Jones. Not only does it cost you money, but Highmore probably comes back in like the next month and makes you sixty in the first week. Yeah. Oh, exactly right. And it's not a situation where you want to be trading out Highmore and then trading him in. Yeah. In two weeks' time, if he yeah. get, if he gets names, because we are, we all know that his job security is iffy, but we yeah. also know that like he could play like ten games in a row, and no one would be surprised because he's that good. So, yeah, it's it, it's a really tough situation. And look, push comes to shove, Chizo. I'm, I'm this is going to be a a really big call. I think uh, if you are in a situation where you have Kazi and Heimer on the on the bench, and you want to run the gauntlet and uh, see, I guess, if either of them are named. And if both of them are not named, you have, I guess, Mansell as a bailout option um, on the for Richmond um, on the Saturday night, and you could trade one of them. But honestly, I, I think I might just just cop it. Oh, I, thought I, you, th- I, th- I thought you were going to do a Mansell on Mansell. <laughs> I don't think I want to trade in the guy who's probably wow, up for Prestia in two, three weeks. That's got poor scoring potential, really, and just cash in, you know, sixty k from Kazi. I don't think that's worth a trade, mm. and and especially the points worth. Like if he comes out and scores thirty, that tr- that's not a trade. That sixty k and thirty points. That's not something. That's good. <laughs> I, I I want to run something past you. The reason we're going to tie this all together, Jordan Clark plays on the Saturday afternoon you're not going to be yes. able to use his DPP to you know, you know involve him in the Highmore and Lockie Jones scenario because they play the last game of the round Sunday at 6.40pm yep. so also on Sunday we have Hawthorne and the Crows You what you could potentially do is do a Sam Berry out in midfield Use that Rory Laird DPP to bring yeah. him into the midfield, and then yeah. that's going to allow you to get Lockie Jones because all of those players play on Sunday. With, that's the move with with Clark. You've got to you've got to pull it. How many times have you pulled a trade like this pistol and then they're not named with this twenty four hour rostering? So um, I think that's you know I'm always talking about the safe option. It doesn't net you the you know a hundred and. 50k or whatever it turns out to be from going Clark to Lockie Jones that allows you to 
upgrade someone like a Goulden Tenille. It doesn't let you do that. But hey, it's the one option that's not going to see you get a donut in the back line because that's where all the carnage is and we have so few rookies that we can rely on to play on field. I just I just feel like it's the smarter trade, and I'm just not seeing anyone present something like that. They're always just like, you know, I've got to go Goulden and Warner to these two players. I yeah, just think that's Clark out and blah, blah. I it, think that you're right. That's you're seeing dollar trade this week. Correct. I, I totally agree. Fortunately, the way the fixture lines up this week, that's that's the play for me. See if Clark gets names. If his name's great, I'll uh, probably keep him on field and just do Barry to Jones. I might even just do that as my singular trade this week. If I if I don't feel comfortable, you know, getting McRae early. Um, I mean, I guess we should talk about that, Chizo. Sure. <laughs> There's a, there are other rookie options. Mm. Um, you know, Bo McCreary uh, for for the Pies at one seventeen k and and and. Uh, McRae, I think, are the main two yep. ones that are worthwhile talking about. I mean, I just touched on Mansell before, but as I said, I think he probably gets two, three weeks before Pressy is back and then he's probably out of the side. They do a bit of a reshuffle there. Um, look, McCreary is a solid, so far from his two game sample size we've seen, is a really solid pressure forward, forward pocket. Mm-hmm. Collingwood don't have a good forward pocket. And I- I'm excited that McCreary's playing for Pies, and I like what he's bringing to the side. And if he continues to play this way, I think he can play out a significant number of games for the rest of the season because we just don't have somebody like that in the side and we need somebody like that in the side. So big tick in terms of like job security. But one, he has to perform. And two, that's not a good super coach scoring role. You know, a pressure forward in a side that is admittedly looking like a bottom four side this season. Yeah. That that's not something that is super appealing. But I think it's more of a combination of him, James Rowe, and Wardman. If they're making up my F six, F seven, F eight, that seems bad. Mm. I don't want a situation where I'm forced into playing one of them every week and just kind of hoping for the best. Yeah. And, I, I don't like that. And yeah. we've just talked about, you know, a fortnight ago where we had to choose between Roe, Brockman and Harry Jones for your F6 and how much of a drama it was. The idea is to get one of these guys off field. The The scenario with Bo McCreary that I can see is that people who didn't like Waterman. There, yes. there are people that said, you know, he relies on goals, which he does, for an Essendon side that's probably also bottom four, which he does. And yes, he's bargain basement price, but he's not necessarily someone I want. And so you've probably got that position freed up with Bo McCreary where you could say someone like a Sam uh, Berry out of the midfield, use some DPP with Brockman and then bring him onto the to the benches um, in the same way that you used Waterman. What I, what I have the problem with Pistol is when these kind of guys are starting to litter the forward line. I think F6 is frustrating, but you can kind of deal with it and you get a, a reading after they play more and more games. You say, hey, okay, this is this is going to be the more trustworthy guy. Yeah. I can see that, but I don't want to see someone with like, you know, trading a Warner, who's probably your F4, to McQuarrie so you can upgrade someone to Lockie Neal and then suddenly you've got yeah. Rowe at F5. I think that's the problem. You're right. That. That's a nightmare situation. You you don't want to be left like that at all. You know, I I totally agree with you there, and that that's something that is going to be very team dependent. Um, because like overall, I think he's a solid enough trade in. You know, I would have preferred to trade him in than Waterman 
you know, if I had the the choice again, I didn't even really super, I wasn't super strongly on Wardman. I was considering Tracy, <laughs> which didn't go well either, but, you know, I stuck with Waterman. Um, I, I like McCreary's job security more than Waterman's, if yeah. that is kind of how I can summarize it. Um, but then you've got Finlay McRae, who got 12 possessions in the final term, you know, when the game was over. But having a rookie that's able to get 12 he, it's just such a rarity that even though his job security might be a, a tad worse, it feels worth the game. Like the upside is is there for me. I know he didn't score very well, and that's because he had 49% time on ground in the first quarter, you know, and that was the only quarter that really made a difference um, last week for the Pies. So I, I don't blame him for his poor score. I mean, he didn't really touch it in the you know middle part of the game, but just being able to now play Essendon, who also are a bottom four side. Sorry, Chizo. Oh, right. well, you know, we're playing each other this weekend. Mm. It's going to be gonna a be, fantastic spectacle of people be the who can't worst. targets. It's going to be the worst Anzac Day in a long time, <laughs> unfortunately. But we'll still win, so that's a, that's a positive. Um, but McRae, McRae, I think, is still, you know, with an easier opponent, he could definitely just get a run on on possessions. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if he went 25 touches plus. In his next, you know, one of his next four games, yeah, you know, he hits twenty five touches, um, and you know, as much as Buckley wants to say we can't play the kids, you know, that's not how you run your side. McRae is he's talented enough that he's not really detracting from the side. Like I, I'd still rather have him in the side, running around, getting experience, you know, than potentially playing. We've got like Greenwood and Maine and like I love those guys. Don't get me wrong, but they're not. This isn't the future of a club that's sitting in the bottom four. Mm. How long are we going to be playing these over thirties? I I I can't see it happening consistently for the whole season. Even if McRae, I said it way early in the podcast, if he's in and out throughout the year, I think he'll still be a good pick. And on top of that, Chizo, he's got the DPP. So having forward mid eligibility just means that even if it goes badly it's not like a worst case scenario because you can always hide him away you know at your m11 or you can hide him where you want him you can potentially loophole even though collingwood's not a great loopholing team um there's still a lot of positives there so if i'm choosing one of them i'm still choosing mccray um just because of you know the upside of the pick yeah um over over mccreary yeah, that's basically how I see it. Um, is there, is there other rookies that you you wanted to touch on? I know there's a couple more that are floating around. No, no, there's definitely no one. <laughs> there, 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 there are rookies that are on the cusp of, you know, starting to make some cash. You got the likes um, of Mitch Lewis. Um, Do we need to talk about like Mitch Lewis is averaging seventy nine? He's two hundred k. Can you can you really recommend someone? coming in at 200k for what probably not but i if he if he makes 100k he could make more than mccreary potentially and score more than him potentially yeah i think it's a points on field corner scenario if you're thinking about mitch lewis i just don't think he's assured in that position going yeah. forward no, I agree with you. And if they drop Nash, it's going to be this weird forward line of Cozzy, Lewis, and Tobe O'Brien, which I don't know how that will work, that mm. three-prong attack. I don't think it's been super successful. You know, I, I get that he's a key forward in another bottom four side, um, but key forwards have bad games. 
Yeah. Like, he'll be up and down. I know he's put out two really good performances and looked really good. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't hate it. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I definitely don't hate Mitch Lewis as, as a selection. Yeah. I think uh, there's, there's worse picks. There, there's a lot of people on the bubble that you should say, but the majority of them just either do not play or they just don't score well enough to be super viable going forward. So it, you're looking at the numbers and you're, you're looking at the likes of Mitch Lewis, Ryan Mansell, uh, Devin Robertson is also on the bubble this year, Connor Stone, Jackson Pryor, Luke Parks, uh, even Harry Sharp. They're, they're, these kind of guys, are, they're totally on the bubble. Lewis but, Young, 198K defender. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of them are either either not playing or not, you know, consistent. They don't have a role in that side that you can be super consistent with, or yep. they just don't have the scoring power to make the downgrade worth it. And yeah, I, I think job security is a big one. Yeah, I think I think that's it for me. I think that's why people are you know clambering over Lockie Jones, Bo McCreary, and just you know just not even acknowledging the rest is because it's a combination of job security and scoring potential. And that's why we're basically getting no. Inboxes this week asking, you know, should I get Connor Stone in this week? It's funny, Cheese. I'm not sure if this is a Supercoach Plus feature or not. So I'm just hovering my mouse over the little exclamation point next to Mansell and Connor Stone. And on Mansell, it says, Mansell will go up in price next week, but he isn't going to make enough cash to pick him up. And then Connor Stone's one, it says, Stone had a much better second game, but he's probably not in line for you to downgrade to. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've been hacking our stuff. No, no, uh, that that's that makes a lot of sense. Sums it up really well. It's uh, funny. Uh, let's see what Lockie Jones says. Chizo says, "Get him." Oh, cool, awesome. <laughs> so that that's pretty cool, um, mate. I, yeah, see, all the, all this rookie funny. talk. Uh, we should talk about uh, you know who of these rookies we want to start playing on our field. This round, none. The, the, this this round, what what rookies are you going to be playing on field? You're gonna you're throwing a Sam Berry over James Jordan this week. Oh, I thought you. Were, I thought we were talking. So, so even even I should say like Connor Stone, um, the GWS side is way too volatile. I think yeah. for me to put him in. Jai Farah played one really good game, eighty three forward, one eighty four k. But he's like a tall dude. I I, I don't know. I, I'll have to watch him again closer. To be honest with you, I, I wasn't even giving it a second thought because I saw his price and was like, ah, he'd have to be really good. Um, and he scored eighty three. So, um, we'll have to watch him. Much more closely. Um, a two, Boston Lavagu. I, I I just said I was like, let's just do it as fast as possible. Um, look, seventy-two points, not a bad return. One hundred seventy-five k. Uh, I I just don't trust the role either. So we'll have to give all these players that have played one match another week. But yeah. they're all expensive. You know, we're not talking about the players that are like one hundred twenty-three k. So. Um, you know, even Zach Reed, 166k. It's all we're gonna have to have to wait and see. Mm. Um, Chizo, to answer your question, rookies to play this week. I think we're gonna have some loopholing opportunities. Yeah. Um, with Scott and McNeil getting the first game of the round against GWS, it's not a bad matchup yeah. for either of them. Not like either of them have put up any scores that I typically take. However, I take 61. Tell you that I missed that last week. <laughs> yeah, so did I over Campbell. You know, or if Barry. Campbell is the one, yeah, or Barry, it's true. If Campbell is the one that is rested, he can kind of you can kind of loophole McNeil and Scott by if McNeil's in the midfield and Scott's in the forward line, yep. put the E on both of them, yep. and then 
if Campbell is out and you like Scott's score, put him in the forward line. If he's if you like McNeil's score, put him in the midfield. Yeah. So you get the you get to the loophole potentially with both of them. Um but I don't think I have the faith to straight up play any of them on the field, Chizo. I think you're playing all the Sydney guys if they're named. Um Gold Coast, just a great opponent. We're doing that again. Um, otherwise, uh, if you're looking, Tom Powell, I think given his you know last two performances, I think he's played himself into a role where he's just you, you can't bench him. Um, and that that's the same as uh, even Heath Chapman. I know he scored 54 last week, but against North Melbourne at uh, Optus Stadium, I think you have to kind of play him. Um, Chizo, it's it's a bit tougher when you get you've got Barry who's played Hawthorne and you've got Jordan um, against Richmond because Richmond they just suck up so many points. Um, but but Jordan's such a good scorer, so this is the one that's probably going to be the most difficult selection um, there. I'm likely going to be trading Barry, but if I weren't trading him, I would consider even. This is I really feel like hard. that's the answer I right think... there. You, you, you're trading Barry. <laughs> yeah, but then it's also like then I've got Lockie Jones. Am I playing Lockie Jones? I mean, I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this because I I have thought of an answer. But <laughs> if Cozzy Highmore and Jones are playing mm-hmm. and Chapman, and you have to play three of them, two of them, yes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm three of them. You. Which which three are you playing? Chapman and Highmore, <laughs> straight up. That's two. Oh, am I playing three? Yeah, Jones. You've, you've, you've got, okay, so you're definitely playing. So Cozzy's, even though he's playing against Adelaide in Tasmania, nah, that doesn't matter. He's just an. an okay. He's never been Fair to enough. Tasmania before. Wasn't this was the preseason game there? Oh, shush. no, it wasn't. <laughs> Amy, the Amy season that, that had to be in Victoria. Nah, there's the bubbles. Yeah, I, Actually, I, it might not have been. Is that where he kicked six goals? Is this the Cozzy 100 coming? <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, for that final M8 spot before I completely lose this, the, the plot, or F6, if you're considering Rowe versus Waterman mm. versus McCreary or Brockman, I think I'm leaning Brockman. Not a bad call. I, I don't mind that. He loves a cheeky if goal in the last quarter with two minutes to go as well to get him to a 40. I mean, look, Roe, it's a good matchup for Roe, obviously. It's a small, I think I'm playing Roe or Brockman. I, I, my gut is telling me Brockman because I think Hawthorne should get the win over Adelaide and you'd hope Brockman can get involved. We've seen him score, have one good scoring game in the past and there's some, some poor ones. We can't really loophole, though. That's the problem. Yeah. You kind of just need to back yourself and go for it. Um, but, yeah, in the midfield, I'm probably not playing Brockman over Jordan. I'm probably playing Jordan and just hoping for the best. Um, but if I yeah, if, if I was keeping Barry, I'd probably play Barry. I'd probably play <laughs> Finlay McRae over both of them. The thing is, Barry's been really close to going like back-to-back 70s. He's had about four tackles taken off him. And I, I because he's a player in my team, I watch him really, really closely. And he is... I don't know whether they're called attempted tackles or missed tackles or whatever. He has made a lot of body contact that has impacted the disposal of the opposition that has just caused a turnover and their team has won a turnover and he has got literally nothing from it because he he hasn't fully wrapped both arms around the player. 
It, it, well, he yeah, is solely the reason there. that the turnover happened and he gets nothing and no tackle and nothing like that. And it just, it drives me up the wall because I'm like, oh, that's a tackle. And he gets nothing for it. <laughs> no, the, wor- the worst ones are when he, he fully tackles and the ball just like gets thrown out and it's like a loose ball. And then the other team picks it up. Yep. So his tackle doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> they do a full 360. Because like, no. the thing is, he, he tackles a <sighs> lot. So he, he makes he get, puts a lot of pressure on the ball carrier when he's around it, when he's not you know sitting in a forward pocket for three quarters. But you know <laughs> he's probably missed out on thirty points last week where he just you know I, I remember watching the second and third quarters thinking he was playing quite well and he went up four points. I'm like I'm pretty sure I saw four tackles that quarter and he got nothing. <laughs> he was still on one tackle. Yeah, he's always in and around it. It's, yeah. it's super frustrating. It's a very, to watch. he's an almost kind of player that I, I reckon in, uh, you know, if he was in in the next preseason, he'd be um, sticking a lot of that and, and performing quite well. But yeah, certainly the one that's uh, looking a little bit tired as well. Pistol already come out in the yes, media he that could. he might be getting a yeah. rest this week. This week, so it does it does make it a really simple trade out uh, for for Lockie Jones um, swapping if he's, Rory yeah. Laird. Yeah, so I, I, I don't mind that one. Did you want to tell us, you were talking to me pre-podcast about your thinking with um, how to emergency different types of rookies this season yeah. because of the, the changes in when teams are announced. Do you, want to, do you want to take us through that little bit of strategy talk? Well, this is just digressing into kind of personal opinion. I think with the 24-hour team reveals, we've got to get rid of emergencies. It's, they've got to go. That's just personal opinion because right now what's happening is we're electing not to emergency someone like uh, an Anthony Scott averaging 46 when you've got someone that could potentially be on your bench uh, being like, um, you know, like a James Jordan averaging 60. You're going to wha- you're looking forward to whacking the emergency on him instead. Then some team news happens. You've, Scott's already locked out without the emergency on there. You've got to swing some players around and suddenly you're fielding Berry. And so you end up getting a 31 from Berry rather than being able to get, you know, using your loopholes to get 61 from Scott because he didn't put the emergency on it. So what I've been doing this year and sort of advocating for in Team Chizo is that if you've got someone on your bench, whether it's your highest scoring one or your non-highest, like just anyone that's named before the other player, you know, talking a, a Scott this week plays the first game uh, versus a Brockman that, um, you know, plays on the Sunday, just whack the emergency on Scott. Lock in the player that's being named. You know, it sounds simple, but we're so used to not putting the emergency on the guy that's averaging forty because you've got someone on there that's averaging sixty-five, and that's the one you're going to put the emergency on. It makes sense, right? But the thing is, so many people are going to get caught out by not being out of DP, not being able to loophole properly because they're not putting the emergency on these types of players. And I'm not sure if I've explained it really well, but I think this is the second time I've been caught out without an emergency on someone on the bench and then end up getting someone not playing and not being able to take that loophole because it was unexpected. So I've just started whacking the emergency. And there's been a couple where I was at risk of getting a donut with a 60 on my bench because I didn't have the emergency there. Yeah, you know, and I was and, I was about to say this could happen this week. Yeah. Like with if you don't put the E on Anthony Scott, let's say you got a bench in your forward line of Scott and Waterman. Yep. If you put if you don't put the E on Scott and you put the E on Waterman and Waterman doesn't get named yep. and then Campbell was rested, yep. you've got a forward yep. line donut. <laughs> it, it, and the thing is, I, I recognise that 
I live and breathe this game, and I, I, I look at it from every angle I possibly can, and it's catching me out. What's it doing for the people that just want to, you know, casually play the game, listen to a podcast, get some advice, and then kind of go about their weekend and not have to have their finger on the pulse so close? This is going to catch people out, and it probably already has. And so I think the thing that I'm advocating for is if you've got someone playing early in the round on your bench, whether they're good or not, just whack the emergency on it because a guaranteed 30 is, you know, is... The, you know, missing out on 30 points because you're taking one emergency over the other is better than getting a zero because you didn't get the chance to take that emergency. Yeah, I mean, look, there's risk-reward. If you have someone who's averaging, you know, 70 for some reason on your bench, obviously I would still advocate putting the, the emergency on them and, and over someone that's getting 30. But overall, the gist, especially at this time of the game where most of my bench is scoring yeah. 40s and 50s, it, I, you're right. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of, this week I'm probably going to put the emergency... Well, I'm leaning towards Lockie Neal. I'm sorry, Lockie Neal. <laughs> Perfect scenario. McNeil, McNeil this week. Perfect scenario. Just because it's a safe, a safe bet would be, um, you know, maybe you're not going to be there f- uh, between the teams being released at six twenty-five and the the first game on Friday. Scott plays seven forty, uh, seven fifty, Friday night. Powell, who's that seventy that could be on your bench, for example, for whatever reason, maybe you've got Dunkley and these kind of guys in your in your midfield. And then on the Saturday night, you've got power playing. Maybe you're not going to be, you're at work or whatever, you've missed the, the, the team news and power's getting a rest being a young first-year player. You haven't put the emergency on Scott because you're planning on taking it on power. That's kind of the situation that I'm at, that I, I would rather lock in, you know, like a 60 from Scott this week than miss out on the 74 from power as opposed to getting a donut because you missed it completely. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think, every, I, think, I think everyone now... Like we all get it. I think we recognise that the emergency system's been Broked. less than ideal for at least the last two seasons, and we've been advocating for the emergencies to change for a while now, and yeah. it's not really been taken into consideration. And uh, there's not much we can do about it. Yeah. So we we can keep suggesting it. We're trying to grow the game. People are dropping off. It might be due to some of the complexities of the game. If you can make it a little bit more simpler, this is one of the big ways that will help everyone, not just the diehards, not just the casuals. It's just a win overall, removing the emergencies. You just, your first defend, your D7 comes on before your D8. Yeah, your M, you know, at nine comes on before your M10, comes on before your M11. You just set the order and they just get subbed in that way. Should be really straightforward. Yeah. Um, people can still loophole, I guess, depending on the order they set if they would like to. But you know, if you have five players missing, you have five people that are able to come on, and you don't cop the zeros. I think it's just a change that needs to happen yeah. um, in the future. Chizo, uh, before we, I know we're running long, mm. very long. Before we get into captains, can we talk about some of the trade in? It's a big topic to bring up, like an hour, 20 minutes into oh, a God. podcast. Can we talk in some of the upgrade options that people might be considering this week? And I just want some of your, your early thoughts. Do you want me to just shout yeah, out a couple of F- Rapid players. fire, let's go. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't got the page open for me. Oh, you're going to drop fire. this on me and you haven't planned it? <laughs> No, no, I haven't planned. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through All it. Right, well, cheese, it's good. Cheese, yeah, I haven't it. Well, I like, you I like Clayton Oliver at five. Yeah, sorry, shoot. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, Clayton Oliver five ninety one k. He's he's in. So we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not going to be talking about those plays. The first person that I want to talk about um, is going to be Andy Brayshaw. Mm-hmm. 
you know, 482K. Yep. Uh, he's put in three scores above 117. He's got his then a 125, 132, 66, 48, 117. Was tagged in rounds three and four. Um, his break even now is 117, but he plays North Melbourne. Um, do you think that this is the week to jump or not jump at all or next week or what's what's the go here? I love him as a, a, an upgrade at some point in the season. The thing is he's shown his susceptibility to the tag and I think it's something that we're going to see during the year fluctuate. So I don't think he's going to be as consistent as what we would like him to be. Um, but in terms of someone that if he gets a free run at it, I think he's averaging 31 disposals when he hasn't been tagged in the five games so far. So I absolutely love him as an upgrade path if you've got some faith in him and uh, he, he get, you know has a good run to finish the season. I think that's not a problem. So I'm looking at it and I see a Kane Turner tag yep. this week. I think that's more likely than unlikely. So I don't think this is the week to jump. We can consider him next week, particularly if Neil doesn't look good. Um, and, you know, if he's going to drop even more, I think if he gets down to like 450K, he's. I'm just going to probably take him at, at M8 and just, you know, I'll cop the loss compared to other people if it helps me upgrade my team quicker just because I'm looking at his run, you know, his fixtures. Whilst he plays, I guess, a lot of decent sides coming up, um, I don't think he's got a problem scoring, but he doesn't play any sides after North Melbourne that I can see at least all the way up until Carlton in round 16. Um, that run, any sort of tag, I guess maybe Tuk Tuk in uh, round 13 could potentially, yeah, but otherwise... Yeah, there's there's not many tags good. that I see until around sixteen, seventeen. So you could he could get a really good run at it, um, and his his ceiling is very you know strong. Cool. Um, so at that price, it's somebody to consider. Um, I'm I'm not even going to talk about Josh Kelly as as an option because that's laughable. Yeah. Um, Bailey Dale four hundred and seven thousand, averaging ninety four this season. Um, obviously playing off half-back flank. Uh, how how do you see him going this year, and is he someone that we should potentially jump on at this, this ripe price? Ripe price at 410K. What's he going to top out at, like 500 maybe? Um, <laughs> I mean, he's fine. I, I certainly am not making him a priority. I, I, think, yeah. I think the important thing is that a lot of these players, you know, are priorities, like... Everyone's jumping on Neil this week because, oh, this could be the cheapest we get him as opposed to jumping on Bailey Dale and, you know, he could be anything sort of thing. So I think I think it's, like, important to make that differentiation. So um, probably not for me. Yep, that, fair enough. So I spoke about him last week on the podcast, but I'm going to bring it up again. Jared Dane Lyons. Zorko, oh, okay. yep, 493,400 plays Carlton this round. Um, how, well, yeah. How do you see him as an option? I don't think he's going to price you out. I think he's going to be a fine upgrade target if you're looking for someone. Um, he has that room for improvement with his his clangers and frees against. I think we're going to see a bunch of 70s during the year. I think we're going to see his usual tons. He's probably going to be around the mark, and I don't think he's going to price you out. So, again, not a massive priority for me. Two seventies and three hundred pluses for him this season. So you could, like you said, tons and seventies. That's literally what we're getting out of him yep. at the moment. Yep. Um, I do think that he's someone that I'm going to want in my final side. So I will want to jump on him at some point. But I also don't feel like I'm pressured 
yeah. as you said, to, to jump on him. If Neil looks bad next week, maybe I'll get Zorko instead if he's you know still sub 500. Gets a forward rookie off the field. That's always a positive. Um, something I definitely think people should be considering, um, if not a priority. One, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to call it a discount, but I think he's potentially at a cheap one of the cheapest price he'll be for a while. Break even of 92, and that's Nat Fife, 598k. He's putting 109, 92, 133, 125. Um, obviously, already missed the game. But uh, yeah, how do you see him and his value, I guess? I, I think still for me personally, I still see it as an ongoing risk. I think um, still so early in the season, there's the, every chance that he does have another week off at some point. Um, but there's, you know, if you've got, if you want Nat, side in your, uh, Nat Fife on your side, there's absolutely no reason why you should let me talk him out of it because he's he's one of those premiums that when you know he does drop to an achievable price we are you know moving what we can with our pieces to try and get him in yeah now look Fife this week against North is going to go bonkers because he loves playing North Melbourne however we spoke about last week Fremantle's draw I mean he's beat up on Hawthorne and Adelaide to boost his average you know it's not like he's played particularly good sizes here in North Melbourne. I'll expect him to beat up on. And then after that, who knows? Might cop an injury, tougher draw, et cetera, et cetera. He's fine. Again, I don't really want to talk people out of five because we know he scores really well when he plays, but it's still, he's got that injury risk that just never goes away. He's already missed a game. You know, if he cops another head knock, that's going to be some serious time on the sidelines because there will be too many in, in such a short period of time. And he knows that as well. He's spoken about you know, concussion in the past. So um, something that you have to consider if you are thinking of selecting him. Um, Chizo, one of the last ones I want to touch on here is a very cheap, I should say very cheap, so I'm still scrolling, Shy Bolton, uh, 421,000, back-to-back 110s. How do you see him going and, and his value this week? Again, one of those guys that we're projecting will become a keeper rather than someone that is a keeper that has become at an achievable price. I think he's got a decent role. He gets a lot of center bounces when they're missing certain midfielders in their side. When they have their full allotment of midfielders, he gets pushed back to the half-forward line and just doesn't have the same kind of scoring power as someone like Zach Butters does in that role. Um, to be a season-long keeper, in my opinion. So in terms of upgrading now, he's definitely not high up on my priority list. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that I wouldn't personally get, but also like if you wanted to just go like all out at 420k, it's really cheap. Like it's you know 90k more than than Warner. It's super cheap, and if he's able to put out 80s and 90s, or even average you know 95 for the rest of the season, that's a huge win. Mm. So I wouldn't, I'm not, I wouldn't rule him out. But the problem is his role. Like he, he got a lot of midfield time when Prestia was out this round. But his CBAs across the season, I'm not sure if you have them in front of you again, Chizo. Um, but he has pretty much peppered like 30, 40 percent CBAs, yeah. except last round had 74 percent. So it's an outlier. He's just, if he was getting the right role, I would be way more interested in him. But just the fact that he could just go missing. Uh, is less than appealing for me. Um, Chizo, I didn't, I wasn't able to do a quick fire game with you, but I know people this week are looking for a defender premium. 
because Ridley's injured. Not trading Ridley out to defend the premiums, but they're bringing one in this week. Um, assuming people, let's say, I don't really want to talk about Stewart or Lloyd. You want me to say Alex Willardin, don't you? No. <laughs> no. I mean, if you want to say Alex Willardin. No, 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 no. You know, say Alex Willardin. He's going to get 40 just... kickouts a game, so that he's guaranteed 120. <laughs> I mean, he might until Hearn's back. Yeah, exactly. But... I just I kind of want to know if you if you're not in that I guess upper echelon of of defender premiums mm-hmm. are there any like how would you rank I guess the I don't know if we call them tier two defender premiums um you know um I don't know if you want me to spell them out for you but who who are, are your upgrade defensive targets that are not the ones that are bright shining in your face obvious um I I think one that you know, always gets underrated um, and underowned for the the scoring power that he has is Luke Ryan. I think that he's dropped a little bit of cash um, down from what he was, you know, to to start the year. I think he's still going to be around the mark of about a hundred average, maybe a little bit over. Uh, we saw him have that return to form last week um, against um, a, an easier opponent. And I, Gross, yeah. yeah, I just I just see that as. Uh, you know, something that could give you a little bit of a competitive advantage because the guys that we're choosing between like the Jaden Shorts um, and, you know, the Jack Bowes and the Tom Stewart's, they're going to be fine. I mean, probably going to average in the 90s. Luke Ryan's probably going to, you know, average similar or slightly out-average these guys and he's probably going to be unique, more unique than a lot of these, um, you know, more... Twitterized, everyone's heard their name in the last week kind of players. I mean, Jaden Short's in 37% of teams, Luke Ryan only in 10% of teams. If I had to pick him in a straight fight, I'm probably picking Luke Ryan 80% of the time. It's funny because, yeah, Luke Ryan at the beginning of the year, we're like, he's not a good starting selection because he's too expensive. Price at 572. But you want him. And, but yeah, I think Kieran was saying in, in Slack today, you need to kind of reprocess your you have to like differentiate between okay this was a bad starting selection yeah, not but a bad a good player pick. yeah yeah they're a good pick so now that he's come down in price you know he's 540k he's not bad value anymore i mean the guys put out 84 101 99 92 134 easy fixtures i know um but that's not a bad thing when you're on kickouts and you're playing mm. You know more difficult teams coming up. You know, just look at of, of the Frenchman Jack Zibel is he's absolutely dominating with these kickouts. Yep. So I think uh, Ryan is the player that I would be looking at outside of those big ones, um, and I think he's definitely. I don't even know if it's a. I don't think there's anyone else I'd even <laughs> consider. I mean, Jaden Short obviously. I mean, Tom is, Stewart's fine as well. I think like, still I, a good I selection. Think he's been... He, you know that that one fifty two has obviously hiked his average up, but he's just going to yeah, be he's, side, he's just yeah. going to be safe and consistent, and he does it without kickouts. He had one kickout last week for one hundred and fifty two. I mean, he's he's going to have spiking games where he takes five kickouts. Yeah, and um, look, Maynard is cheap and took kickouts once Howe went oh, off. But oh, I, I didn't just... he? He took every single one of them once Howe went. Yeah, and he scored one hundred and twenty five, but he's been really poor this season just from like a Collingwood perspective as well and you know hopefully he gets a return to form but it's not someone I'd want to be putting faith in at 450k and with the round 14 buy as well it's kind of like a double whammy like if he was capable of averaging 110 I probably would consider it but 
I think it's just not to this be. is this is my t-shirt design. There's no uh, trade situation you can't make worse by trading in another risky player. You know, like uh, people that went meek to Hickey last week are now going Hickey to someone else this week. So I think if I'm in that position where... <laughs> Sorry, Doc. Drive <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, by. Uh, if I'm in that position, I want to just take a little bit more security by the way that I take, I play this game. And if I've already got someone like Ridley on the bench, the last thing I want, you know, is that drifting into two weeks and then the player I bring in is, you know, an iffy 70. You know what I mean? Like I, I want that nice, yeah. consistent premium that's going to take that position. So uh, I hope that kind of sums up my thoughts on these type of yeah, like Jake options. Lever. This guy one twenty nine fifty three one 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 oh four one oh seven looked unbelievable. Jake Lever this season, but I still wouldn't trade him in yet. No, nah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Maybe a couple more tons, and I'd start to consider him more that's seriously. Um, but yeah, that's that probably uh, concludes my defender. Cool. Talk, cheese. All right, it's been a long podcast. <laughs> Let's go through some VC and C options. I think the obvious VC is going to be McRae on Friday night versus GWS. Um. Yeah, all right. You had to think about it. <laughs> I guess. Uh, you yeah, can no. fight me with Dunkley so, and Bonte, yeah? <laughs> no, it's more, I'm like, I'm looking at my side and I'm thinking like, um, Who's who's not playing? Like, when am I? Where, where am I? Where are my loopholing capabilities sure. coming from? And I'm I'm looking at it, and potentially, you know, if Brockman is back, I don't have any options. I can loophole late in the round at all. It has to be from this first game. Yeah, like I have to use my VC up, yeah. which is a bit confronting because I prefer other options. But um, I think you're right. It's hard to go past McRae's averaging, you know, one twenty nine. But I could fight you and say Duckley. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not opposed to fighting you. For over I that. mean, uh, the the thing is, like, you could VC McRae or um, Dunkley, one of these guys. Wait to see um, if Highmore is named. If you still have him, plays on Sunday. You'll find out if Highmore is named uh, before uh, Gorn locks out at seven twenty-five. So if you've got your finger on the pulse for that one, and you know McRae goes. 150. At least you get the chance of seeing uh, if Highmore is named before using that potential loophole. Before you know, having a, a short period of time to pick someone like Gorn as a replacement captain option. Otherwise, you end up with uh, Tom Stewart as your captain, as we found uh, early on in the podcast, which may not be a bad thing. <laughs> Look, actually, Cheezo, you made a good point. If Highmore is the one that doesn't come back this week, I know we're kind of expecting it with Webster's injury, but he, he realistically might not come in this mm. week. If you hold out for it, you could VC Gorn, um, which I think is the ideal situation against Richmond. Yeah. Um, so I might be doing a VC Gorn probably. I mean, is it is it bad to just do Gorn into Grundy every week until I die? I mean, probably Oh, Essendon not, don't have a that's... Ruckman either. That's actually a really good point. I probably against, will be looking. Uh, Peter Wright. That, that's not... <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's probably the move that I'll be doing is just going to and, okay and here's the problem Highmore's named here's, I just put the C on Gorn and just copy here's it. the problem we don't know if Highmore's named until McRae's already locked out so I think the safe yes. option that we always preach literally what I've just talked about with the emergency score let's lock in a good VC uh, or a chance at a really good VC before we throw it on a Gorn that is our most comfortable position we'd love to go Gorn into Grundy no I'm gonna go Gorn it'll be more fun it's averaging 140 
like, just do that it. One hour when don't you think find about out, it twice. That, that one hour when you find out that Highmore's just been named, and you're like, no, Waterman, be <laughs> dropped, yeah, please. Yeah, and it gets into the last game of the rounds, and he gets he's a late in, yeah. and he's my only player in that match, so you have to captain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that would be a nightmare situation, but yeah, I think um, go on into Grundy if you can. Um, ironically. If you have five, I know we just spoke about him. Against five North, is also a really Optus, big. He's going to just go nuts. He's a VCC candidate for absolute certain. I think he's like a one of the strongest options available. So, uh, yeah, big, big yes on, on that behalf. Um, geez, I got two kind of smokies. If you really want to take nah. a punt, <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Look, there really is no reason. I mean, I think Tom Mitchell. Um, he's been scoring terribly. It's, I think this could be a statement game. He had the worst 32 possession game probably I've ever seen on the weekends. The other one that I want to kind of throw up because it's hilarious. Jay Z, averaging 119. Oh this God! <laughs> All right, I want to see you do it. I, just, I want to see you do it. I just he's he's not a bad super coach. Zebul into Grundy. You've heard it here first. It's. What happens if he goes one four? He's had two scores, one above one forty eight, one forty eight, one fifty five. Enormous. Um, I just Rio is probably going to have a lot of kickouts too. I, I just feel like North are going to get smushed, and if North are going to get smushed, he's going to get a lot of kickouts, yeah. and if he's going to get a lot of kickouts, it's going to score yeah. a lot of points. I see it. I see it. Not the smart decision. We're you, preaching the smart decision no. here, mate. It's an hour it's and forty. The- We're getting loopy. Correct. And uh, you know what, Chizo? I've just had a brainwave. We can loophole with Ridley. Of course we can. <laughs> of course we can. <laughs> See, this, this is why we keep it under an hour. That's true. Oh it's uh, This is the most obvious thing that has just I've even got him sitting on my bench already. I was on my field with the C, so I probably should have noticed. <laughs> so... Go on, go on into Grundy, it is. Problem solved. Yeah, done. Problem solved. All right. It's a great way to end the <laughs> podcast, Chiso. All right. You can catch us on our socials. We've said them before. Figure them out if you don't know them. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in the next episode. I'm going to bed. <laughs>